One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time too! It's my screen time too, the podcast where two moms save Christmas spirit. I'm Deborah, and I'm Katie, and I have three kids: a nine-year-old named Tony, and five-year-old twins named Libby and Nate. And I have, uh, but I already said my name. Yes, I did. And I have two kids: uh, a three-year-old named Jay and a three-month-old named Kenny. Our kids are so gosh darn adorable, aren't they? They are adorable. So this is the part in our episode where we both like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too, and we just like to get that out of the way first. So Deborah, what have your kids done lately? <laughs> so I picked them up from school oh, like a week ago, and there's a fancy grocery store about a block away from their school, so... I had parked near the grocery store, so we walked the block from school to the grocery store, and Nate and Tony were holding hands the whole time. I know, so they had their backpacks on and their school uniforms on, and they're like two brothers just holding hands after school. It was so cute. I almost cried. I'm almost crying now. Yeah. And I wanted to take a picture but I knew that would just spoil it and make them like self-conscious about it Mm -hmm. um which I don't want to do and so I just took a mental snapshot I will hold it in my heart forever and now I'm crying yeah that is so (laughs) precious I wasn't even there and I'm almost crying (laughs) oh I think the holiday season is getting to us already Uh, Well, mine is a little lighter. Uh, Jay has been claiming that he can't resist things for a while now. He must have, like, just recently learned that word. So there are a lot of things that he can't resist. And (laughs) the other day we were at the park and he, you know how a lot of parks have, like, split toddler play area and, like, big kids play area? Mm -hmm. So he was at the big kids play area and he was at the top of the jungle, not jungle gym, the... Oh my gosh, I have not been sleeping and my vocabulary is just the structure where the slides come off. <laughs> the tower? <laughs> he was at the top of that thingy and he yells down to me, Mommy, this is so scary up here. I can't resist it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute when they use words like out of context or like mess up the median a little bit that's so cute (laughs) and he was far too scared to go down any of the slides all right so now that we've uh gotten that out of the way on to our new segment our second installment of screen time in the news and today we wanted to take a minute to talk about an article from the atlantic which i feel like the atlantic is just like smart person clickbait I think that's right. The title of this article was not completely representative of the article mm-hmm. content. Right. Um, so the title once, I feel like you sent me the link and it had one title in the link. And then I looked at the article and there was a different title. But the, the title that I saw was called The Backlash Against Screen Time at School. 
dun dun dun. Sound mm-hmm. effects added by me. Deborah, what did you think of this article? Well, when I clicked on it, so my kids go to school. They have some screen time at school. Like sometimes they'll watch an educational video to supplement the subject they're learning about. Sometimes if the weather is really bad, they'll have indoor recess and watch like go noodle dancing videos. One of the kindergarten teachers, one of my kids has like has them do like yoga breaks and it's, yeah. And it's, she just pulls up a video from somewhere and they do a little yoga pose. So I thought it was going to be like that kind of screen time at school, but this was like schools in Silicon Valley that charge $30,000 in tuition a year. And they basically have the technology on the screens is teaching the kids and it's being monitored by people like behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. like watching video of how the kids are doing and like monitoring what they're doing on the screen. It was really creepy. I thought agreed. Really creepy. It was a manifestation of, I think every parent's worst fear about like what screen time can become at school, which is just these kids sitting at desks, totally isolated from one another with their headphones and staring at screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it um, started out by introducing this educator who had gone out to California from Michigan, I think, and he had was really at the forefront of this movement, and he has since quit. Mm-hmm. The, so disillusioned. Yeah, and realized that the kids were not interacting with each other. They weren't doing any type of cooperative learning they were just like it it, it, like the the article described like the silence in the classrooms and like if you've ever been in a kindergarten classroom environment it is freaking loud (laughs) (laughs) so it was creepy to hear about that and he's quit and he's now teaching at a just a more traditional in a more traditional school setting um so it was not at all what I expected it to be, but oh my gosh, you guys do not send your kids to a school where they just learn from screens. Yeah, it was just conceptually kind of hilariously wrong. Like, mm-hmm. as with everything having to do with screen time, it's not an all or nothing. It's not a zero-sum game. I, right. I feel like... It doesn't take several master's degrees to be like, well, some screen time can be useful in the classroom, but probably not 100% of the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything in moderation. I think that's like a big life lesson that can be applicable to all kinds of screen time issues. I mean, that's what I keep telling all the parents that give me a stink eye about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I explain it to them, and then I'm quick to follow up with, but it's not like I let my kid watch screen times, all, watch screens all the time. It's not. <laughs> Just so you know. I might have a podcast about it, but I'm not melting my child's brain. Uh, anything else you want to say about the article? No, I think I'm ready to move on. We have an extra long time between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. Katie, you and I both celebrate Christmas, which is our main December holiday. 
Um, recently I watched the star, which is streaming on Netflix. I think it came out last year in 2017. And I just have to say it's a pretty good movie. Um, it made me realize that the Christmas story is kind of messed up because this one (laughs) starts out with Mary, like getting married to Joseph. And she's like, Oh, by the way, That's a hard hump to get over. <laughs> Immaculate conception is, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, and but so there's the three wise men are also in this movie, and they the camels are characters themselves. And Oprah is one of the camel voices, and Tracy Morgan is one of the camel voices, and they are so funny. <laughs> like that was the best part of the movie. I recommend it. Can you imagine a dinner party at which Oprah and Tracy Morgan are both guests? Like, what a weird disconnect. What would the table conversation be like? It would be um, hilarious and charming based on the dialogue from the star between the camels. (laughs) So, Katie, you also watched a Netflix holiday film recently, and I can't remember the name. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So... I have expressed in previous holiday podcast episodes my love for Hallmark Christmas movies and the like. I just, something about this time of year makes me want to turn my brain off and just like feel warm fuzzies only. And I feel like Fair. holiday Christmas movies just are, are good for that, no matter what the quality of the acting or the believability of the plot or anything like that. So Netflix has recently, uh, as of last year, jumped into the Christmas romance arena. And their most recent foray is called The Princess Switch. (laughs) And it stars uh, Vanessa Hudgens as both a princess and a lowly baker who surprise switch places for the holidays and find love it was everything i want in a christmas movie not better than any not worse than many (laughs) (laughs) but uh it fit the bill to a t i think netflix knows what it's doing it is kind of funny that in all netflix holiday movies at some point, they show the protagonist sitting down and watching another Netflix holiday movie. Yes. It's I weird. love the meta. <laughs> I love the meta-ness of that. That's great. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It's not, not really a kid's movie. Not that it would have been bad for kids, but I can't imagine a kid having the patience to sit through it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can't really go wrong with the princess switch. Like princess switching identity the yeah city mouse country mouse Mm -hmm. it's a tale as old as time i love it oh yeah no it was great (laughs) it was a lot of fun (laughs) uh so speaking of christmas movies what are we talking about today today we are talking about another netflix original the christmas chronicles it just came out it was only available on Thanksgiving, November 22nd of 2018. So we feel very au courant right now. And The Christmas Chronicles is about a brother and sister, Kate and Teddy. And they try to catch Santa on video. And they end up catching him 
putting presents under their tree and they sneak onto a sleigh. They cause this horrible crash and they end up spending Christmas Eve night like rectifying all of their mistakes so that they can help save Christmas spirit. Kurt Russell is Santa Claus. <laughs> and he is like a very modern, uh, snappy talking Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picked it because it's the holiday season. <laughs> uh, and traditionally, we always watch a holiday movie this time of year and review it. And there are some wonderful holiday movies and some pretty terrible holiday movies. Um, So we wanted to see what a Netflix original like this was all about. I was excited. It's it's interesting to delve into those Netflix movies now that Netflix is trying to make sort of prestige movies and they can get big Mm -hmm. stars like Kurt Russell to be in their streaming movies at all, let alone streaming movies that are christmas movies for kids <laughs> right right uh so thoughts on the general plot of this movie it was the old christmas is threatened because of lack of belief in santa chestnut which uh is present in a lot of christmas movies i feel like if you're gonna have santa in your christmas movie that's almost always the plot mm-hmm. um it does kind of skip over the whole Christmas is about more than presents truism, but it tries to rectify that a little bit in the end. I don't know. What did you think? How did the plot sit with you, the adventures of Katie and Teddy? I thought, I mean, how original can a Christmas movie really be? Because mm-hmm. there are just only so many storylines. So some of it felt derivative. In fact, one scene at the very end seemed directly stolen from another one of my favorite Christmas movies, Arthur Christmas. Because oh, in so the long last, I've seen that. in the last split second before the sun came up, they realized they had just missed one little girl in Mexico City, and in Arthur Christmas, it's like almost the same exact thing. But I really liked it. I thought it was cute. I mean, like. It starts out, it's a real tearjerker. You see this, it's told through the lens of these family camcorder made Christmas videos on Christmas morning. And like, it's this loving family. And then it's like 2018 Christmas and you realize that the dad has died Mm -hmm. and the mom's working a lot and the brother's being a truant juvenile delinquent. (laughs) Carjacker. (laughs) yeah and the um sister is really sincere um it worked for me I thought it was great yeah I mean I'm emotionally primed to like these movies this time of year (laughs) and to Mm -hmm. overlook like plot inadequacies and what have you but I I liked it a lot too um so they did try to do some things to differentiate themselves from Christmas movies of the past mm-hmm. and you know they tried to put their own little spin on the Santa story so they explained Santa going down chimneys by saying that he turns into coal dust so he can get in and out of chimneys and move around fast which is not something I had seen before mm-hmm. um, thus his sack of presents is also a direct portal to the North Pole which I thought was a cool little twist 
The elves didn't really look like people so much as like little cats. Yeah, like gremlins almost. Yeah, yeah, gremlins is a good description. It was not a super good look for for elves. <laughs> not the best elf portrayal I've seen. It's skewed definitely more <sighs> creepy than cute. Mm-hmm. Usually elves are pretty cute. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that they really hammered on was Santa's body issues. Like, <laughs> it was not a Bopo Santa. Like, he just wanted the world to know that he was not fat and that he worked out and that he only eats cookies on Christmas Eve and that's how he keeps his physique. Like, there were so many weight gags. It was too mm-hmm. much for me, but maybe it's just because I'm still struggling with baby weight. <laughs> It was, it wasn't a recurring theme. It was interesting um, because you see, like, I don't think it was Coke, but there were soda cans with like a standard bowl full of jelly, belly full of jelly. You know what I mean? Bowl full of jelly, I think, right? Yeah. Santa. And he just seemed so offended by those. I don't know. He was sort of like a, like a baby boomer who like buys a Harley Davidson at a certain point into (laughs) retirement who like they're old but they don't want to be old exactly I mean (laughs) you could almost feel the pitch made to Kurt Russell like you're gonna be Santa but not that old fat tubby Santa and we're gonna make sure people know it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, So that, to me, was a little bit of a miscalculation on their part. Like, you can just have Kurt Russell, and, like, we get it. He is not fat. (laughs) We have eyes. (laughs) Um, Let's see. The other other thing that kind of worried me right off the bat with this movie, like, it starts out, it has a very charming scene with the father and, like, kind of a standard setup. The loss of a parent is also a pretty well-worn trope in the Mm -hmm. holiday movies but when it finally gets to the point where they're meeting Santa and they meet Santa for the first time and I forget if it's Katie or Teddy one of them mentions that he's supposed to go ho 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 and he says oh I don't do that fake news and that really worried me I was like are they gonna try and like be that up to the minute with their cultural references because I really think the thing that makes Christmas movies the kind of movies that you want to watch year after year is that Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have those super specific things placing them at one moment in time yeah that's gonna that line is definitely gonna date that movie so that scared me but I think for the most part it avoided a lot of that Mm mm-hmm it was just that one, and I, I was prepped for there to be more, but that was just a, a one-time miscalculation, I thought. So I really liked how when the Santa encountered anybody, anyone at all, he knew their name, mm-hmm. and he knew like their childhood hopes and dreams, and he knew what presents that he had given them. So he had like the just like a... Uh, computer-like memory for people Mm -hmm. and so that was really a fun detail of the movie um I really liked this scene so they're 
they find themselves in a restaurant and they're trying to get like a ride so they can find Santa's magic hat so they can get the sleigh to fly again. And um, Santa has a charming encounter with the hostess of the restaurant and then he can't get anybody in the restaurant to pay attention to them. Um, So he goes up to this table of like Asian looking people and he addresses them in Chinese and they won't help him. And then he goes up to a table of like Middle Eastern people. And I think he addresses them in Arabic. And I was like, where is this going? Come on, 2018. And then the, the Arabic guy who talks back to him says, I speak English, you moron. (laughs) It was so great. It was, it, it just teetered on like offensive way to treat, um, a brown person and like the brown person talked right back. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> um, I also liked that scene, but I was also very frustrated just from like a reasonable human being perspective because patrons at this restaurant, you can see this dude going to all these different tables, like switching languages, like it's no big deal. Like, how do you not think something's up? Mm-hmm. I would have helped Santa. Everyone was just like, leave me alone and let me get back to my plate of fries. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they do leave the restaurant, this is not really related to anything at all, but they end up stealing car keys from the valet stand. And the valet is um, watching a screen and it's just a split second, but he's watching Stranger Things. Oh, really? Did you catch that? No, but man, Netflix, you're really good with like tying in your own properties here. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It was so brief, but it was a it was a nice moment. Um, well, speaking at speaking of staring at screens, did you have any specific thoughts on the look of the film? There was one thing that I really wanted to talk about, but I thought I'd I'd give you the chance to offload first. Um, so I watched it with my whole family mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving night. And um, at one point, it was when the little girl, Kate, uh, finds the reindeer. And she mm-hmm. has this beautiful interaction with Comet. And Tony was like, is that animation or <laughs> is this real? <laughs> and a lot of the movie was like that. I thought the effects were extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the look and feel of it. I thought the sleigh was really done, well done. Mm-hmm. I thought the angles from which they approached the sleigh were really made it really feel magical. Um, so I loved it. I, I, I'm also curious about what um, spoke to you. Yeah, um, along those same lines about the CGI, I think I really have to get out of the headspace of thinking about Netflix properties as the equivalent of TV shows or made-for-TV movies because they clearly have the budget for something a lot better because this CGI was definitely a cut above something you would see in, like, any other made-for-TV property. Yeah, this was a long... Yeah, this... I feel like you could see it in a... In a theater. A real theater on a big screen. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, The thing that I really wanted to bring up to you my librarian friend was the design of the north pole 
So Kate, the little sister, climbs through Santa's present bag and is like sucked through a portal to the North Pole where she sees Santa's workshop and the place where he keeps all the information of all the not even just all the children, like all the people. Santa keeps track of grown-ups' needs and desires in this world as well, um, where he mm-hmm. keeps all that information stored. And he has all the names. It's sort of like a card catalog. Um, yes. But they're like niches carved into the wall with like corresponding letters on the side. And they're all filed away in drawers. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it, but it was really beautifully designed. And then, you know, Kate finds the one that cor- or the little niche that corresponds to her last name, which, which is Pierce, and she rides the. There's like a little mechanical ladder that she rides up to the appropriate mm-hmm. drawer, and she opens it, and it's not. I was expecting card files because <laughs> librarians. It's not card <laughs> files. It's like all the letters that they have written to Santa filed away, um, and she takes one out that her brother wrote, and she starts reading it, and then she gets startled by something. And she just jams it back on top of the drawer. She doesn't refile it, and it really bothered me. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It was a beautiful organization system. Like I follow several home organization type people on Instagram Mm -hmm. and this is definitely Instagram worthy. Um, I shove books at my kids school library Mm -hmm. once a week um, to help the library just as a volunteer thing. And kids are terrible at reshelving. Oh yeah. (laughs) Terrible. I don't think I could work in that setting for a living because <laughs> it would drive me insane. Um, I also thought it was a really nice mix of like that analog technology, like the beautiful sort of card file looking area. And then he also had sort of like a CNN style wall of screens where he like mm-hmm. watched all the video content that kids sent him to ask for presents. I thought that was a really nice touch, a nice mix of the old and new I just, I found that, that segment of the movie to be particularly beautiful. Yeah, it was an awesome North Pole mm-hmm. imagining. Um, Definitely. It was set primarily, even though the, the two kids were from the East Coast, the, the bulk of the movie takes place in the city of Chicago. Okay, so this is going to be really treading on the segment in which we compare it to other movies, but I wanted to bring up another, what I think is a Chicago movie and from our childhood did you watch adventures in babysitting as a kid oh my gosh this is one of my comparisons because of the chop shop yeah well and just yes you know the crazy night in the city where they're trying to you know fix something but the thing about that 1980s era or yeah 80s era chicago was that it actually felt kind of scary And I Mm -hmm. don't think that's just because I was a kid watching it. I think they did a better job of, like, conveying the sense of menace that is being a kid alone in a city you don't really know. Mm -hmm. And this version of Chicago, to me, was a little sanitized. Yeah, one of the – so there's a moment where the brother, Teddy, is in, like, a chop shop 
Um, because a bunch of gangsters had like thought he had a bag of valuable presents and they brought him to the chop shop and they were like the most uh sanitized version of gangsters ever like one of them had like a teardrop tattoo but then he had a big net tech neck tattoo that spelled out life in capital letters (laughs) yes they were not threatening at all like do you remember when (laughs) Was it Brad, the brother from Adventures in Babysitting? Like, he got in a knife fight and he Mm -hmm. got, like, stabbed in the toe. And it was like, there was legitimate danger there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. You just never felt like Teddy was in in real peril. No. No, not at all. No, I definitely had made that same connection. And the little girl, Kate, in this mm-hmm. movie was even had a similar look to her that the little girl in Adventures in Babysitting did, like the big curly hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely so great. I want to go back to that one. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched that in a long time, but I watched that over and over as a, as a kid. You know, they remade it, right? Oh, no. Yeah, they did. I think as a Disney Channel original, maybe, starring some uh, Disney-produced starlet, and I don't remember who it was. It was one of those, like, okay. teeny girls whose name you would recognize, but I don't remember who it was. Um, And I didn't watch it because it just made me so sad. Well, speaking of stars that we kind of sort of recognized a little bit, what did you think about the cast? Good. So the mom is played by the actress who was in Father of the Bride. Oh, really? With Steve Martin. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know that movie. I just didn't recognize her from that. I th- I just said, oh, that's Mrs. Brad Paisley. Oh, that movie is like 20 years old and she looks the same. <laughs> she does not. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the very end? Okay, if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, press your 30-second forward a couple times. But Goldie Hawn is at the end as Mrs. Claus. I loved what that part. I can see from your face. face you didn't. No, I like like the cute nod at Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Like, that was very cute. But her mm-hmm. face, like, even for a starlet of that Starlet is the wrong word. Even for an actress of that age who has like fully embraced plastic surgery, and we all know that about her, like her face was so weird. I think it was weird because she's one had all of that anti aging stuff done, but two, I think she was wearing makeup that was supposed to make her look old. Okay. Which doesn't work on an augmented face, clearly. Yeah. But it was a very cute surprise at the end to see Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty adorable. <laughs> uh, what did you think of our leading man, our foxy Santa Claus? I thought he was great. I thought he was good. Did you have a big frame of reference for Kurt Russell? Like, I was looking at his IMDb page and I realized I really haven't seen that many of his big movies. I don't think I have either. I mean... Overboard is that the one mm-hmm. with uh, yeah with Goldie Hawn yeah mm-hmm. yeah um that's about it so there's nothing that I indelibly associated him with that made it hard for me to picture him as Santa I thought he was a great Santa mm-hmm. uh, and I loved his Santa suit not that that has anything to do with the cast but it just had a really like 
it looked really nice. <laughs> it was very like sumptuous. Like mm-hmm. the fur was real fur. It wasn't like white puffy cotton cotton ball texture it was was lux (laughs) yes and there was a a scene in which he was in jail and so he had his jacket off and he was just wearing like the vest and it's Mm -hmm. with like a long sleeve shirt underneath it and the vest was like a long fitted vest Santa looked good I mean, again, he really wanted us to know that he wasn't fat, but that was effective. <laughs> so let's see. We had uh, Kurt Russell. We had Mrs. Brad Paisley. And I feel bad. I don't remember her. Kimberly, maybe? Is that actress's know. name? I forgot to look it up. Yeah, bad on us. Um, what about the kids? I recognize the little girl from Big Little Lies. Oh, that's right. She was excellent. Mm-hmm. She was adorable. Really good actress. Adorable freckles. For a long time, I was like, is that another fanning sibling? Like, are they just popping out new little adorable children? But no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, the teenage boy, I didn't have any frame of reference for. I hadn't seen him in anything before. Yeah, he was fine. Not as much of a standout as the little girl was. What about the music? I know you tend to notice background music more than I do. Did you notice it at all here? I thought the score was fine. It was generically John Williams-y for the (laughs) action scenes. That's pretty much all movies are at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There was a scene in the jail where Santa, like... He produces musical instruments for everybody in his holding cell, and they sing a blues tune, and I thought it was fine. I would give it, like, a B. Mm -hmm. It could have been catchier. Yeah. Well, it was an existing... It's a a real Christmas song, isn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. I I have never heard it it before. It may have been an actual Elvis song. Oh, and it's not Blue Christmas, which I know is the one that everyone says is the Elvis song, but it's like Santa's back in town or something. And maybe I just made that up and it just sounded like it already existed because it was a bluesy (laughs) Christmas number. And there are a lot of those. That's very possible, too. Um, But Kurt Russell definitely did a credible Elvis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, speaking of which, I was looking at his IMDb page to like see what I knew Kurt Russell from. And it had listed that he was an uncredited voice of Elvis in the movie Forrest Gump. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Funny. Yeah, weird. <laughs> so he got to bust out his Elvis again here. And uh, his singing voice was, you know, quite adequate. <laughs> uh, so the big question, I feel, whenever you watch a new holiday movie is, Will this one stand the test of time? Is this going to be one that I want to put on every year around this season to give me all the feels and to get me ready for Christmas? I think the special effects and the visual aspects of this movie are, they make me want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. Um, The plot wasn't super original. The funny parts weren't that funny Mm -hmm. um 
but Santa was original. Right. Like, to me, that makes a Christmas movie endure just like bad Santa. (laughs) Which I still have not seen. (laughs) So speaking of bad Santa, are there any, like, other modern Christmas movies that you feel like have gone into your rotation like this? Because the one I was thinking of the most while I was watching this... And comparing this one favorably against is the Tim Allen Santa Claus franchise. Mm. And I was like, Mm -hmm. boy, I'm going to want to watch this a lot more. Whereas I could stand to never, ever see the Santa Claus ever again. So I'm glad if this can supplant that. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like with Christmas movies, the emphasis is always on old classics. So it's hard to know with the new ones, like what they can come in and replace or even whether they're going to still be watchable. But I like that you like Arthur Christmas enough to rewatch it. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I don't know. For me, Elf is like my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. So this doesn't compare to Elf, but I would definitely watch it again. Right. Uh, The Christmas movie that I want to watch the most that kind of embarrasses me a little is the mid-90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street. I can picture the movie poster to that movie, but I've never seen it. Oh, it's so So I'll have to watch that one. I also, like... Any Christmas movie made in the nine, like late eighties to mid nineties, is where it's at because that's when I was a child. Exactly, mm-hmm. Christmas held the most magic for me. So yeah. I think I've just imprinted on those movies. <laughs> so we already mentioned Adventures in Babysitting, um, and Bad Santa. <laughs> Did you have any other show like mo- movies or shows for adults that this compared to for you? Okay, so to me, the number one grown-up Christmas movie that is definitely not for kids, but that I enjoy watching a lot, is The Ref. And I'm sure I probably mentioned it on past Christmas podcasts, but that is always the one that I go back to when I think of Christmas movies that are definitively just not for kids. Um, Sure. And I actually watched it, I want to say I watched it like three or four years ago, and it was still good. I mean, it feels very 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, It stars Kevin Spacey, which is tricky now. I don't know if I would be able to watch it again. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That is too bad. Gosh, I didn't even think of that before I started talking, and now it's bringing me down. All right, did you you have any other thoughts? Um, Well, the video camera that the kids have throughout the movie made me think of Super 8. Oh, yeah that movie speaking of fanny and siblings um because it we haven't talked about that much but um the kid like the whole point is the kids were trying to get this great video of Mm -hmm. santa claus and they bring it along on this adventure and then it turns out at the end of the movie he's taken the tape Mm -hmm. and erased all the evidence um so it did make me think of that because it's a group of kids on a mission (laughs) with a camcorder also a plot line that I will always watch. Yes, yes. (laughs) Speaking of that camcorder, the during the sequence when the kids are first trying to catch Santa on tape and they're like chasing him around into the backyard, and uh, 
I don't remember if it's the brother or the sister that has the camcorder and you're kind of getting that like shaky cam thing. Then at one point she turns it to her brother and her brother is wearing like a beanie cap. So first of all, shaky handheld camera always makes me want to vomit. Like (laughs) I have a bit of a delicate stomach. Yeah. I was worried that the whole movie was going to be that way. But the minute she turned the camera onto her brother and he was wearing that beanie, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) Yes. I have the same note. Same note. Same note. I was a little worried it was going to be that style of cinematography. It was not though. Um, so did you come up with any casts for a gritty HBO reboot? You know, I was bad with the casting, but I would like to revisit my earlier point talking about adventures and babysitting and the general sense of peril. So I would just like them to reshoot this movie, but like with actual kind of scary implications of being alone in a big city like you know, I want there to be life and death consequences. I want those to be real gangsters, like reshoot yeah. it and be gritty in that way. Yeah, semi truck driver with a claw for a hand. <laughs> yeah, a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Um, okay, brother and sister duo mm-hmm. played by Oprah and Tracy Morgan. <laughs> We're bringing it back full circle. Saving Christmas. Oh, I love it. (laughs) By proving the existence of Santa Claus with a camcorder and two gallons of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, could we like do flip-flop casting so like Oprah is the black sheep and she's the one that's always messing up and Tracy Morgan is like the uptight It's the (laughs) do-good. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That would be great. (laughs) Oh, yes. Netflix next year. 2019 Christmas movie. Make it happen. (laughs) You got to get Oprah before 2020 because I hear she might be busy. (laughs) Would you ever sit down and watch this alone voluntarily? This is a tricky one solely because of my love of stupid Christmas romance movies and the fact that I have two kids and a husband who despises Christmas romance movies. So like when I get a second to myself and I get to watch a Christmas movie, I think I might pick this or pick one of those rather than rewatching mm-hmm. this. But that's not because this was bad or was not satisfying, but it's only because I do have the option of watching it with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would ever watch it alone, but I would rewatch it with my family. I thought it was really good. My kids are five, five and nine. So I thought it was age appropriate. Although Tony at one point was like, there are so many swear words in this movie because I think somebody says, God damn. Oh, <laughs> um, and then somebody almost says the SH word at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'll just take that as a warning. If you've got school age kids, um, Jay is finding the transition to like the holiday season to be a little like he's not fully into Christmas yet. Okay. I'm sure he will be in another couple of weeks, but he was not excited about us trying to put this on. So he did not. He watched maybe 15 minutes of it. Um, so I think he's probably a little bit young yet. Or maybe you just have to wait until right before Christmas when Santa is at peak saturation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, ratings. Four to four and a half. Yeah, I have to say solid four and a half. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Good job, Netflix. Yes. <laughs> I've been happy with all of my Netflix holiday experiences thus far. Christmas or uh, Princess Switch included. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts on Christmas Chronicles? That wraps it up, I think. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Do you like our show? Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get our podcasts. It helps other people find us. If you want, you can record yourself with your mm, early 2000s era handheld camera sharing how much you like our show while wearing a distinctive beanie if you don't feel like writing a review. <laughs> or you can just <laughs> tell a friend about us. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, articles we should be reading, general comments, what have you, at, at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents.